It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Ah, oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back to the show, MD Nation. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I am bringing you the last installment of the mini-series that we have been working on for weeks, Fantasy Analysis by Team Depth Charts Part 8. We're going to be going over the Texans, the Saints, the Jets, and the Raiders in today's episode. Unfortunately, I do not have a guest for you for today's episode. You have 100% of me all the way through for the next hour. The beat writers are back to work. The insiders are back to work. We all know training camp is well underway. I hope you guys enjoyed the guests that I was able to get on for these episodes in this mini-series. I plan on being able to do the same thing again next year with new insiders, new teams that we'll be talking about. So I hope you guys all enjoyed it because I will make sure that you'll get the same kind of inside information next year as well because that is what I do for my listeners. Before we get into today's show, I actually have some exciting news to bring all of you. If you're not following me on Twitter, follow me on Twitter at MDFFshow because you can get all the player news update notifications when new episodes drop. The other thing you can get is the announcement that I made today, which was that I have finished my projections. Finally, finally the projections are done. That means the rankings are soon to follow. That means the downloadable draft kit that will help you dominate your draft so you can be well on your way to winning a championship and cramming it in your friend's faces for you will be available very, very soon. My plan is actually by Monday to have it up on the website, to have the projections, the rankings, the tier rankings, all available to you on the website by Monday, which is going to play a little bit into our schedule here. So next week, we are still going to be two episodes a week leading up into the season. My plan is to try to have an episode on Monday and Thursday like we have been doing, but because I am trying to get this done and out to you and have this available to you by Monday before we get full swing into draft season, now that August is here and it is August 1st that you are listening to this, I want to make sure that is done and ready to go. So we may have an episode 
on Tuesday instead of Monday of next week. But if you follow along with me at MDFF Show for Twitter and for Facebook, I will make that announcement on Sunday to let you know exactly when the next episode is going to drop. So no worries there. I cannot wait to get it out to you. I cannot wait to help you guys be able to win your drafts. It's going to be 100% free for you. No strings attached. I just want my listeners to have all the information that can be made ready to them to help them win the championship. That is what it's all about. That's why I do what I do. That's why I love doing what I do. So that is why it's going to be 100% free for you because this is the first year that I am putting out the downloadable draft kit for you. And all the projections and rankings and tier rankings and depth chart and NFL schedule, that's all going to be also viewable to you if you go to the website www.mdffshow.com so you can just quick Click on the website, go take a look at a certain thing. If you, you don't feel like downloading the entire draft kit, there's just a couple things here and there you want to look at. You just want to look at a few tier rankings, look at a few projections, whatever the case may be. All of that is also going to be on the website separately for you as well. So great things are happening here for the MD's Fantasy Football Show. I cannot wait to get you guys out to that. So remember, we may have our episode on Tuesday just so I can make sure that that is all out and available to you on Monday. So what we're going to do now here is going to kick it off with the latest news. We do have a latest news segment today, and then we'll get right into the teams that we're talking about and what their fantasy outlooks are going to be. So for the latest news, there really wasn't a ton of news as of Wednesday. There was a lot that came out on Tuesday, but some of it was mostly status quo. So just to keep you up to date was Melvin Gordon. The reports are that he is still 2 to $3 million apart. There's been no movement on that since I talked to you on Monday. There has also been no movement on the Ezekiel Elliott holdout, not that I expected there to be since he went to Cabo. I think it was kind of hilarious that all day yesterday that people were actually breaking, or quote-unquote trying to break news, that the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott were not close on a contract extension. And to that, I had to say, if you had a brain with common sense in it and you know anything about football... You could have said that without having any kind of insight or drop that hint towards you. Because if you're Ezekiel Elliott, you're not going to fly out to Cabo to go work out for your setup that you have made for yourself down there the last time you were suspended and got into shape if you thought you were going to be close to a contract extension. So I don't really qualify that as breaking news. That is just the status update for you guys to know that they are not anywhere close to that being done. I think we're probably a couple weeks away from Ezekiel Elliott returning to camp and getting ready for week one of the season. I still full-heartedly believe that Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott will definitely be there for week one. If you had, if you put a gun to my head and said, pick one or the other, I would say I'm more confident that Elliott will be there week one than Melvin Gordon, but I do think both of these guys will be there to kick off the season for their teams. One thing that did happen recently was Michael Thomas did get his contract extension that he wanted. He got his number. He got his $20 million a year. It was a five-year, $100 million extension, $61 million guaranteed. So he is going to get the number that he was after this entire time and effectively ending his holdout. And I expect him to be back in practice. If not today, then at the very least by tomorrow. A couple of things on the injury front. We have A.J. Green. He had a cleanup surgery on his ankle. It has not moved up his timetable at all. We are still looking at quite possibly the first month of the season of September of A.J. Green missing. 
definitely will be week one. The question will be, just like I said on Monday, how much of September does he miss? It could possibly be the entire first month of the season, so keep that in mind as you head into your drafts. Derrick Henry sheds his walking boot today. I wanted to mention this one because there was a lot of speculation and mystery because there weren't a lot of details coming out from head coach Mike Vrabel of the Titans in general as to what was going on with Derrick Henry. All we knew was that he was in a walking boot and had missed practice for four days straight. He is out of the walking boot. He's expected to miss two more weeks of training camp, but is supposed to be not in any imminent danger of missing week one. So there may not be anything too big to worry about there. That's going to wrap up the latest news segment for now. We will have the latest news segment in each episode that we have coming up. And I will let you know at the end of this show exactly what the next mini series is going to be to take us into the season. So you have that to look forward to. So make sure you listen all the way through this episode to know what you are going to get available to you starting next week. We're going to take a quick break right here. We're going to come back on the other side, get right into the content, starting off with the Houston Texans. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Well, the Houston Texans definitely have a lot of fantasy value about their team that everyone wants to know about and check out. Now, of course, most of it is actually pretty clear cut, starting off with the quarterback and Deshaun Watson. We know Deshaun Watson is being projected and ranked as a top five quarterback for fantasy football purposes this year. And some platforms even has him, have him as a top three guy, and quite a few of them actually at that. Look, we know what we're going to get out of Deshaun Watson. He has shown a ceiling of what he can do throwing the football, which he can produce at a very high level on that part. And of course, we know he's going to run and add in scrambling yards on top of it. That is what Deshaun Watson brings. He's one of the few quarterbacks out there that are not just a dual threat, but a dual threat in the sense of that they can highly produce on both parts of their game, passing and the rushing. So that's the one great thing about Deshaun Watson. That's why he's ranked as high as he is in most platforms right now. That's why he's going in about the fourth and the fifth round in most mock drafts that you will come across, whether it's 10 or 12 team leagues. And regardless of the scoring, of course, because with quarterbacks, you know, not really catching the ball too much. So you're not going to have too much of a difference between quarterbacks as far as standard half point or full point PPR goes. Look, we know Deshaun Watson sky's the limit for him when he's able to get on a hot streak. And we know that the biggest thing that's been holding him back is the injuries to the wide receiving core. And it's been really, frankly, uncanny. DeAndre Hopkins is a beast. DeAndre Hopkins is out there every single week. We know last year he was banged up, and yet he always found a way to play and play at a high level at that. He is healthier coming into this season. Hopefully we'll be back and good to go and won't be in just in games hobbling around out there. He'll actually 
actually be healthy in these games, especially to start off the year. The biggest question is going to be, is Deshaun Watson going to have his weapons in Will Fuller and Kiki Kute available to him for the majority of the season? Because they were not last year. And the year before that, Kiki Kute wasn't on the team yet, and Will Fuller was hurt again. Can they stay healthy? If Will Fuller and Kiki Kute could actually stay healthy for a 16-game season along with DeAndre Hopkins... Why a incredible hot streak like Deshaun Watson put on during his rookie season would not be possible. Now, that was unbelievable, of course. And even if these guys are healthy, and even if this offense is clicking on all cylinders, it, stay, it still may not result in the high-level production that we were getting in that case, because that was off the charts insane. But... They could be the number two offense and maybe even rival the Chiefs as a number one offense if all of their weapons are healthy and are clicking. And really, I think it's just a matter, it doesn't even matter of clicking. I don't think it's a matter of rhythm because these guys know each other well enough by now and have been, have their roles in the offense and everyone should be comfortable at this point. It's just a matter of being healthy and staying on the field. Right now, so far, so good. We've only had one week of training camp. We haven't started any preseason games yet. But so far, Will Fuller has been healthy. Kiki Kute has been healthy. And they've been able to combine with DeAndre Hopkins. And as long as those ingredients stay true, the sky's the limit for Deshaun Watson, quite frankly, at the end of the day. Now... Without those guys, it's not like Deshaun Watson just falls off the map. He still finished as a top three fantasy quarterback last year. And like I said, he had a hobbled DeAndre Hopkins and he had no Will Fuller and he had no Kute. The thing is, is that you want to go for gold. Can Deshaun Watson be the number two or even rival Patrick Mahomes as the number one if he has all those weapons? The question is, is he can at least make the argument if he has all those weapons. He can be that dangerous. He still went through spells last year where he wasn't that great for fantasy purposes. He was outside of the quarterback twos in some games due to the lack of weapons. So I would like to see what would happen if he has these guys healthy, but here's what we know about Deshaun Watson. He has a high floor because of the rushing ability, so you know he's a guy who's going to give you week in, week out, top 10 QB1 type of production more times than not. He's a guy you can put on your team, forget it. He he squashed some of the injury concerns that people had on him coming out of college and then after getting hurt in his rookie season. He played all 16 games last year, even though he was hit the most out of any quarterback. So he showed you he could definitely take a hit and get back up again. So that was a great thing for Deshaun Watson to be able to prove. Moving on to the running back situation, we have Lamar Miller, of course. Lamar Miller, probably one of the most overlooked running back when it comes to fantasy football. He's always on the football field. He always produces at a pretty good level. He's always a solid mid to back end RB2. He is a starter on your fantasy lineup week in and week out. The thing about Lamar Miller that he's not going to get you a ton of and why I think is a big reason that he gets overlooked the the way that he does is because he's not going to give you a lot of touchdowns. I think I myself have him projected for about six on the year. That's total. That's that's receiving and for rushing. He just doesn't get into the red zone very often for whatever reason. And this season, he may even have less of an opportunity if Dante Foreman comes back actually healthy and ready to go. So far in training camp, he has been practicing and doing and moving well and 
Brian uh, O'Brien has been commenting on that fact. Now he came out and said, and and right away was that Lamar Miller is going to be the starting running back of this team. Dante Foreman is going to be the backup. But here's the thing: Lamar Miller's on the last year of his deal. If Dante Foreman starts to show some promise down the stretch, I do think there is a decent chance that he could possibly overtake this job, but at the very least, maybe push the rushing ability to 50-50. Now, here's the thing. Lamar Miller is still a far superior pass catcher. So as somebody who's going in the eighth, ninth round, I do think he is a steal there. He is a guy who's going to give you back-end RB2, and you can count on him to at least be productive throughout the entire season because he's never going to completely come off the field no matter how good Foreman is looking because he's still the superior pass catcher. He's still going to be in on those situations, even if all hell breaks loose. And that's the absolute floor that we're talking about with Lamar Miller, because the more likely scenario is that Dante Foreman still takes a little bit in games coming back off of an Achilles injury. Achilles injuries are what ACL injuries used to be, which is they can be a death sentence, especially for a running back. They take much longer to come back from. I really feel like it takes more like two years to be able to get back to what you were coming off of an Achilles injury, where an ACL, you can pretty much, you get a year of rest, you're good to go. Achilles don't really work in the same way. And Dante Foreman is a bigger running back who uses explosiveness. It's going to be a little more difficult, I think, for him to be able to make that comeback. So I do think this is going to be Lamar Miller's job. I do think it will be kind of a 60-40 split, but I could see Dante Foreman coming in on goal line situations. So he's going to have some value throughout the season and as a number one handcuff to Lamar Miller should Lamar Miller get hurt. But like I said, keep in mind, Lamar Miller, with him going in the 8th, ninth round, I do think he is a great value to you there because I think his true value, given that he's a mid to low end RB2, would put him somewhere in the 6th and 7th round. So you're getting him about a round or two later, really, than he should be going in the first place. Just keep your eye on Dante Foreman. I'm not going to draft Dante Foreman in this year's draft, but he is somebody who will definitely be at the top of my watch list heading into the season. Wide receivers, we talked about them a lot when we talked about Deshaun Watson, but as far as receivers and their their own potential goes, it does come down to health too. Look, DeAndre Hopkins, we know he's going to be at worst a top three wide receiver for fantasy football, period. The guy is consistent year in, year out. It hadn't mattered who the quarterback was, and now he has a good one in Deshaun Watson. He's going to be a top three guy enough said there the question is will fuller will fuller of course he has crazy upside we know the guy's explosive we know the guy's a home run threat whenever he's on the field you just have to take that part into consideration that mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a it's winter time when temperatures go down the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them so don't risk a costly replacement stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the service card appliance repair program from black hills energy it's peace of mind in a plan visit blackhillsenergy.com sign up to learn more 
you have to go in advance knowing that you can't depend on Will Fuller. And with him going in the eighth round right now in most mock drafts, 10 or 12 team leagues, he's, his risk is pretty much built into his price for the most part. Eighth, ninth round for a guy who can put up numbers the way that he can when he is healthy is a pretty good value. Look, I don't know if there's much of a difference between Will Fuller and the potential that Mike Williams presents, who's going who's going about two, two and a half rounds earlier right now, when they're both healthy and on the field. It's just, you can trust that Mike Williams has a much better chance of lasting through the season than Will Fuller does at this point. That's pretty much what it comes down to. So take it what you will. If you take Will Fuller, take him with the idea that he can maybe be your wide receiver three, maybe your flex play, and just have somebody ready to rotate in with him if that's the way you want to go, if you want to try to hit a home run threat while you have the capability of doing so. Kiki Kute, look, I like him as an NFL player. I like his talent. I do think his fantasy value is vastly overblown. Yes, he had a nice little stretch there. It was four games. We saw four games. We don't have enough of a sample size to really know what Kiki Kute can be in this offense, and we definitely don't have enough of a sample size of what he looks like in this offense with both Hopkins and Fuller on the field on top of it. Yes, he was targeted heavily. Yes, he was targeted even more in DeAndre Hopkins. When he was out there, that doesn't mean that would last the whole season. So we don't know. I like his talent, like I said, but to me, for this guy to be one of the hot flyers that people are taking, I think is a little bit of a stretch at this point. He didn't possess any over-explosive ability to make me feel like he is a playmaker when he gets the ball in his hands. He's going to be able to break one after the catch to make him special in that kind of way. He just strikes me as a good bigger type of slot wide receiver who fits well in that offense if he's out there. He will have value in PPR leagues. He will be a guy who could be a flex play wide receiver four, wide receiver five on your team. He is draftable. But if you're in a half point, if you're in a standard league, I don't know how much I'm really looking at Kiki Kute as a guy who I want to take a flyer on. There are other people like Deshaun Jackson, like Dante Moncrief, like Devin Funches, like even Devontae Parker, who I would rather take Deshaun on as a flyer than Kiki Kute because I think all of those guys have a bigger upside potentially than Kute does in this offense. All of those guys have the possibility to be the second options or even the first options in the case of Devontae Parker, where Kute, if everyone is healthy, no matter what the situation is, will be the third guy on that passing list. So just something to keep in mind when you're looking at Kute and you're hearing all this hype from people who want to make them their top flyer. Don't necessarily buy it. Give it a minute. Give it a thought. I think there's a lot of guys who have more upside in the rounds that you're going to be taking him than he does. Now, he might have a better floor than some of those guys, especially if you're talking PPR. But if you're talking standard, if you're talking half point where the guys who score a few more touchdowns are really more valuable in those situations, he definitely doesn't have the touchdown potential of a Moncrief or a Funchess or even a Parker. So just keep that in mind when you're going into your drafts. The tight end situation right now for the Houston Texans, I don't know how many people are even looking at this. Definitely not going to be drafting a Texans tight end. That's number one. During this season, 
when you hit the point where almost any tight end could have value if you think they actually have a legitimate opportunity to score. It'd be the only scenario in which I think you're looking at a Houston Texans tight end because they just don't use them enough. And part of that is to do with the fact that there's guys that are just guys. Right now, the starter is supposed to be Jordan Thomas. Right behind him is Jordan Atkins. Uh, Kahale Waring just came back to practice yesterday, finally got active activated off of the NFI list. So we'll see what he has to offer. But right now, it should be Jordan Thomas as the starter. But like I said, for fantasy purposes, I just don't know if this is a guy who you really care about at this part of the year. Maybe as we get into the season and if Deshaun Watson actually starts to show some trust to his tight ends in the red zone, possibly we will revisit and talk about this again. But for right now, there's just no reason to be taking a Houston Texans tight end. We have Fairbairn to kicker. He's going to be a decent kicker to be able to draft. Houston Texans, I expect them to be able to score points. They're going to be able to move the ball. Fairbairn was a very good kicker for you for fantasy purposes last year. I don't see why he can't have a similar type of performance and give you a top 10 kicker week in and week out with Fairbairn there too. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to break down the New Orleans Saints. Tired of spending hours upon hours on research for your drafts but still want the excitement of having something on the line while watching the game? Well, join the Thrive Fantasy app where they have streamlined the process for you to make it easy and fun to play along. Use promo code MDFF when you sign up with a $10 deposit and receive an additional $10 for free. Again, that's promo code MDFF. The Saints are frankly another team with a lot of fantasy value, of course, but not a ton to break down. We know who the fantasy faces are. It's Drew Brees to start at the top. Now, Brees isn't the guy he once was. He's not a top five fantasy quarterback anymore. He's down to the lower part between 10 and 12 top guys that could be on your team. So he can give you potentially quarterback one week in, week out type of guy. But he is somebody who I would put into the column as a guy that I would tell you to go ahead and draft a second quarterback on your roster to be able to rotate with. One, while yes, last year he did a much better job, there still is that home road split to be weary of when it comes to Drew Brees, when it comes to that Saints offense, frankly, in general right now, but especially Drew Brees in particular. So with that in mind, that is somebody who I would say, hey, go ahead, draft a James Winston later on, draft a Lamar Jackson later on. Drafted Jimmy Garoppolo even later on. Somebody who you're going to be able to rotate in with Drew Brees. He's not going to give you top five potential. You're looking at a guy, like I said, who's going to try to get you around the 10 mark. Try to get you in that bottom tier of the QB1s. That's what you're looking at right now with Drew Brees. He just He's not going to give you the potential for 30 touchdowns. He hasn't done it in a while. He's not going to get you 5,000 yards anymore. He can still get you close to 4,500. He can still get you in the high 20s, 27, 28, 29. But that's mostly what you're looking at a guy like Drew Brees. And for a guy who also, you know, you know when he goes on the road, you're going to have to bite your nails a little bit 
it would be good to have another quarterback that you feel comfortable with being able to rotate and to ensure that you can still potentially get your QB1 potential at the position because you need that. Whenever you have a quarterback who does not perform in the quarterback one range, it really puts you at a huge disadvantage no matter what your scoring format is, no matter how big your league is. While the quarterback position is a position that a lot of people will tell you to wait on because you can get value later on, and that is true. You can, but the problem with that is you got to make sure you have the right guy or the right collection of guys because you still need that consistent 18 to 20 points a week in order to make sure you're going to stay competitive with everyone because once you have a quarterback give you 14 or less points in a week, you have a much greater chance of losing that particular week. So make sure you're square at the quarterback position. Don't just take anybody willy-nilly. It's not a position that I recommend going into the season with the idea of streaming. And I'm okay, like I said, and I've said this before, I'm okay with you having two quarterbacks on your roster that you feel good with, that you can rotate to feel like you're giving yourself the potential you need. I know some people don't want to do that. I know some people are going to say it's a waste of a roster spot or rather take an elite guy or just take a back-end guy and try to play money ball with their quarterback position and only have one. I am only okay with having one quarterback on your roster if you have an elite one, if you have a top five type of fantasy quarterback, that is the only time I'm okay with only having one because it's such an important position to try to get that 18 to 20 points out of each week that you really have to make sure you're secure there. So I like Drew Brees. I'm fine with where he's going, which is around that 10th, 11th round. I think that might be a little bit on the high side. I have Jared Goff ahead of him, who is going behind him right now in most mock drafts and most formats. I have Jameis Winston ahead of Drew Brees right now, even though he's going lower than him in most mock drafts as well. And he just they just have more upside. They just have more potential at the end of the day going into this season. Brees has a very safe floor. I think it's safe to know what you're going to get out of him, but the years of giving you that high-end production, I think, are kind of behind him at this point. Backing him up, of course, we know Teddy Bridgewater is the backup there. Taysom Hill will still have his little sp- special package Taysom Hill packages, but Teddy Bridgewater is the guy who will step in if Drew Brees were to go down with any kind of injury. For the running backs, we know it's Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is going to be his filing his first year without Mark Ingram there. Now, yes, they brought in Latavius Murray, and yes, they are bringing in other guys. They just brought in Rob Kelly to replace Javorius Allen, who just went on the IR himself, but nothing that I'm really concerning myself as far as that goes. Latavius Murray will play a Mark Ingram type of role. This isn't going to just be Alvin Kamara taking over and becoming the 100% workhorse guy because Mark Ingram's not around. Latavius Murray will take up that role. He will, But the thing is, I don't think he's going to have as many snaps as Mark Ingram did. I do think they are going to try to put Alvin Kamara in a little bit more. Look, when Mark Ingram was suspended last season for those first four games. They did try to bring in guys like Mike Gillisley and a couple other guys here and there to be able to rotate in. And they kind of played the Mark Ingram role. They did get some snaps, but they didn't get nearly as many. Alvin Kamara, for all intents and purposes, was pretty much the workhorse back for those first four games of the season. And he performed lights out. He was the number one running back in all fantasy formats. 
in those first four games. He was unbelievable, and he handled the workload great. He never got banged up at any point last year. So when Mark Ingram came back and took over, look, Alvin Kamara took a little bit of a step back where it was, you know, it was more Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey down the stretch in the last half of the season. He was still, of course, in the top three, the top four on any given week, but he wasn't that bona fide number one. Latavius Murray, of course, he's going to give you more production than the Mike Gillisleys of the world did, but I don't think he's going to give you quite as much as Mark Ingram did a season ago. So I do think that opens up maybe 5 to 10% more workload for Alvin Kamara. And if you give him 5 to 10% more of a workload, you're talking about a guy who going into this season should be considered arguably the RB1 in any given format. And in my rankings, am I in the half point and standard, Alvin Kamara is number one. The only one, and he's number two in full point. The only guy who beat him out in number two as far as projections go is Christian McCaffrey. Now, like I said, I don't have my rankings done yet, but I did finish my projections, so I have a decent idea of where I have these guys valued at or what my reasonable expectation for their production this season is going to be, which is essentially what a, which is not essentially, it is what a projection is. It's not a ranking it because projections, and I, I kind of want to get into this real quick because I did get asked this question a couple times uh, by some guys who are starting to play fantasy football for the first time. If you've been playing fantasy football for a while, you're probably well aware of this concept by now. But if you're just starting out, it's important to note that there are differences. A lot of times you're going to look at a bunch of lists, hopefully the MD's Fantasy Football Show at www.mdffshow.com for your list and your rankings and your projections. But you're going to look at a ton of them out there if you're going to do your homework. And what you're going to see is that there's going to be guys in the same position who are ranked higher than other guys who seem to have a higher projection. And that's just because a projection is nothing more than a reasonable expectation as to what you can expect for the production that season. That is what a projection is. But the ranking is more important in the sense of because the ranking takes into consideration the projection. It takes into consideration what some of the risk factors they are facing this season and what their low end could be. And it also takes into consideration what their factors that could be boosting them heading into this season could be, what their ceilings could be, what their upside could be. So it takes all that in consideration. That's why you're going to see players who are maybe projected higher than other ones, especially in the same position, but are not ranked as high or ranked a little bit lower or ranked a little bit higher. So that's the difference, and I kind of wanted to touch on that because, like I said, I got a couple questions like that from guys who are starting to play fantasy football for the first time. So I thought it was important to mention that. And Alvin Kamara being a great example of that. Like I said, projection-wise, standard, half-point, which surprised me because I would have thought full-point would be number one, but that was Christian McCaffrey. But in half-point standard, it was Alvin Kamara because he is a guy who has a very good chance of scoring 18 total touchdowns this season because of how much he gets used in the red zone, not just rushing but also receiving. And if Latavius Murray's not going to quite get the same work share that Mark Ingram had when he was there, and you do get 5 to 10% more touches for Alvin Kamara, he's right up there with the best of them. And so far throughout his career, he has been proven to be durable. And not just durable as he hasn't missed any games, he's barely been injured. Now, like you, you can make the argument that part of that's been due to the fact that he has been rotating, and maybe that's true. Or maybe this is a guy who just is very durable in general. But sky's the limit for Alvin Kamara this season. Now, when it comes to Latavius Murray, A, he's probably one of the top handcuffs that you are going to look at heading into this season. And B, he's going to have some flex appeal in certain weeks. 
While I don't know if he's going to get the overall share that Mark Ingram had, he's still going to have a role. He's still a pretty good player. We know Alvin Kamara is not going to get 80% of the work. We know that there's a decent chance he doesn't get 70% of the work. Somewhere between 60 and 65% of the work is more likely, which still opens up a good 30 possibly 35% for Latavius Murray to take, and that could be good enough in this offense with his talent to be possibly a flex guy here and there to be able to play. So while he'll be one of the top handcuffs, he's also a guy who's going to have some standalone value this season, and he's going about where he should. Now, consistently on most mock drafts and most platforms that I've been on, he's actually going a spot or two ahead of Royce Freeman, which I disagree with that because I do think Royce Freeman is going to find himself in more of a 50-50 split uh, situation. But the idea of Latavius Murray in the 10th, 11th round is pretty good value for what you're getting out of a guy who's a top handcuff and does have standalone value as well. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Backing them right now is Rob Kelly. We'll see if they bring in anybody else. They did have a visit with Theo Riddick. Uh, didn't come in with a contract, though. Did go visit Denver as well. So as of now, uh, no one really to concern yourself with as far as who's the third running back on that roster. It would be Fat Rob. Nothing to concern, your well, your, concern yourself with at this time. For the wide receivers, well, we have the $100 million man. We have Michael Thomas. Five years, $100 million, 61 guaranteed, like I talked about in the latest news segment. Got his big contract. He'll be in there and working. The question really becomes who outside of Michael Thomas? Because we know Michael Thomas is a guy who's going to compete for the top five, top six of fantasy wide receivers. He's going to get a heavy work share. We know this. We know he's pretty much as safe as they come because he is as consistent as as they come. Him and DeAndre Hopkins might be the two most consistent wide receivers that you will look at from that standpoint in this draft upcoming. So we know all that about Michael Thomas. The question is, anybody else have value on this team, on this pass-catching group? Well, the receivers specifically. And the answer to that, I think, at the end of the day, is no. Now, if you're in best ball leagues, I don't mind taking a shot on a Ted Ginn or a Traquan Smith because I do think they're both going to have games here or there where they do go off. Uh, Maybe DFS, if you want to try to take a flyer on a cheaper guy in a a right matchup, maybe they play a guy, maybe they play a team who has like a number one corner, sticking Michael Thomas the entire time. Maybe they should have a better matchup depending on who's the starter on the other side because we don't know yet. Right now, right now it looks like it should be Traquan Smith, but there is a position battle for that second receiver opposite of Michael Thomas right now, and Ted Ginn has not been ruled out of that. Now, you would think he would be, being that Traquan Smith is a much younger guy, he's developing, you would think the Saints would want to try to move him forward, move him along faster by having him play and develop quicker, but Ted Ginn has not been ruled out of that competition, and from everything that I've been hearing, That is very much a dead heap for who's going to be that second wide receiver. Now, in redraft leagues, I don't think it matters. I'm not going to be drafting Ted Ginn or Traquan Smith. I am going to have my eye on it, though, because the second wide receiver on the Saints 
could have value if one was to establish itself, whether through superior play or injury. So that's kind of what we're looking at as far as the other wide receivers go. They cut Cam Meredith. He's gone. Keith Kirkwood plans on probably being that fourth wide receiver, just an FYI. The real third pass catcher overall, second pass catcher as far as wide receiver tight ends go, is going to be Jared Cook. Jared Cook had a great season last year. He had the season that a lot of people have been waiting for. Look, Jared Cook has a ton of athletic ability. We all know that. We all have been waiting for Jared Cook to break out at some point. And every single year, he would have one big game and then do absolutely nothing the rest of the season. Until last year. But let's consider the circumstances of last season. It was John Gruden bringing back his late 1990s offense, quite frankly. They were having trouble consistently using Amari Cooper. They traded him away halfway through the season. And in the closeout the year, Jared Cook was pretty much the unquestioned number one pass catcher on the team. Not just the tight end, but a receiver as well in general. So he was in a situation where he was never going to have more opportunities than what he had with the Raiders. And he capitalized on it. But he's not going to be in that same position with the Saints. Now, the argument can be made the Saints have not had a tight end who's as athletic or as good of a pass catcher since Jimmy Graham. And Drew Brees had shown an affinity for throwing the ball at Jimmy Graham in red zone situations and being able to use that bigger bodied type of player. And to also offer something outside of Michael Thomas. Look, when defenses line to play them, their number one goal is going to find a way to take away Michael Thomas and to take away Alvin Kamara. Jared Cook is going to have mismatches, especially down the seam. He should have a good season. I do understand why people are excited about him. Just don't get carried away. This isn't a guy who I think is going to come into the same situation and compete for that top three spot with one of the, you know, Ertz, Kittle, or Kelsey. He's not going to be in that range. I think people are hoping that does he compete with O.J. Howard and Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry for that top five, top six tight end spot. And my thought to that is, well, it's definitely possible given the offensive situation, given Jared Cook's natural ability to catch the ball. But I've seen this from players too much to ignore, where guys have been one thing their entire career, they have a breakout season, everyone thinks all of a sudden that they're going to be this new player that they've become in their one breakout season after they've been in the league for forever, and then right away, they go right back to what they were the entire time that they were in the league. Now, I don't think it's going to be quite that bad for Jared Cook because I think he's in too good of a situation to fall that flat where he has one good game and then nothing else for the rest of the year. But when you're taking Jared Cook, just take him with the idea that you have a top 10 tight end and feel good about that. But I would not go in taking him thinking you just grabbed yourself a top 6, top 5 tight end. Definitely. Because I don't see the definite part in that. Like I said, I pointed out earlier, Drew Brees is not going to have the same type of production that he once did. So while Jared Cook can definitely get his fair share because there's not an established second wide receiver outside of Michael Thomas, frankly, just temper your expectations for a guy who's going to give you a mismatch at the tight end position every single week like some people are trying to make him out to be. Should be a top 10 tight end? Yes. I don't think he's going to be a top 6 tight end. I don't think he quite has the ceiling as... 
those other guys, as the O.J. Howard, the Evan Ingrams, the Hunter Henrys, who should round out that top six. He doesn't have their same touchdown potential. He doesn't have their same overall high usage potential. Just because he's he had one good season. We need to, and for, for a guy like Jared Cook, who's been a veteran a long time, we had to see it for more than one year. And we this last year was the first year we saw it consistently from him. He's played with great quarterbacks in the past. He's played with Aaron Rodgers. Going to Drew Brees, I don't think automatically boosts what he did last year, which was his best year with their car. Potentially it could. But I think we've seen enough from Jared Cook to know that there is a bottom to him that you have to be weary of. And that's all I'm cautioning to you at the end of the day. Like I said, I fully expect Jared Cook to be a top 10. I think there's a very good chance he's a top 8 tight end this season in any format. Just be weary of how high he's being hyped right now. The Saints defense is something I do want to talk about. I know they started off the season bad last year, but look at the last half of the season. Suddenly got back on track. They got back to where they were a year before that when they were on fire as a young rookie, predominantly rookie defense that was developing way faster than anybody thought. And then they got off to a rocky start and everyone jumped off the bandwagon. But then look at the second half of last year. That defense carried them. It wasn't the off. It was the defense that carried that team. The defense played great and they were a great fantasy pickup. Because if you picked up the Saints defense from week 10 on, you had no reason to drop them to stream for another defense. None whatsoever. They were that good. So this is a defense I expect to build upon that success and get back to where they were that first year when they had Marshawn Lattimore and all those young guys. And I expect this to be a pretty decent defense. Now, there's going to be weeks, of course, where the Saints are going to put up a lot of points and they're going to give up a lot of points as a result because they're going to be playing prevent defense. But this is a defense that I expect turnovers from. I expect good special teams possibilities there for return touchdowns. So it's definitely going to be a defense, I think, is a sleeper defense that you can keep your eye on heading into this season. Will Lutz is a guy who has top five kicker potential. Not just because he's on an offense that's going to score the ball a ton, but because he has a good leg and he plays in a dome for the majority of the season. Those ingredients usually go well for a kicker for fantasy football. So I expect Will Lutz to be a top five kicker again this season so you can draft him as such there too. We're going to take a quick break right here, come back on the other side. We're going to get into the Oakland Raiders. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. Ah, yes, the Raiders, the team we just spent so much time talking about from Jared Cook last season. Look, the Raiders are in a situation where a lot of people are curious, what can we expect this season out of Derek Carr? He had his best career numbers as far as yardage goes, but really lacklustered in touchdowns. Really did. But he has weapons this season. Tonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, better pass catchers than he had all of you last year. Look, remember, like I said, Jared Cook was the number one pass catcher. After they traded away Amari Cooper, Marcel Aitman was the number one wide receiver. It's not like he had a ton to work with a season ago. 
Now, having said all that, I will be the first one to tell you, and if you listened to this podcast last year, you will already know this, that I called Derek Carr playing scared every single week because he was. He was afraid. Not afraid of playing the game, but afraid to make a mistake, afraid to take a chance, afraid to screw up. And it showed. It showed because he wouldn't throw the ball down the field. He was Mr. Checkdown, Mr. Conservative. And even drove John Gruden nuts quite a few times, who I think kind of calls his offenses to be on the more conservative side, quite frankly. But you have more aggressive options this year. Derek Carr is not going to be able to get away with checking the ball down all the time when you have guys like Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams, two guys who make a living by going down the field. Josh Jacobs is also Josh Jacobs is better a better talent at the very least than any other running back they had last season. Yes, he's a rookie. Yes, there's a lot of things he's going to have to learn. So it's going to be a bit of a question mark as how well are you going to pick it up? How great can you perform right away? I do think he will be pretty good. We know he can catch the ball, so he at least can be a safe blanket for Derek Carr in that respect. And I do think he is a more talented runner than what Doug Martin is at this point in his career and more a guy you can lean on more so than Jalen Richard, who they also still have. So they'll be able to sprinkle those guys in as well if need be. But the weapons are there. You're going to have to throw the ball down the field to Antonio Brown. And by the way, the great thing about Antonio Brown is that even if you throw him the ball short, he can break one because he's really good. Tyrell Williams makes a living catching 50-50 balls down the field. So the pieces are in place for Derek Carr to be more aggressive. It's his second year in the offense, so that's also a plus. He has the weapons, and he's also playing for his future as the Raiders franchise quarterback. Look, the Raiders are going to be moving to Las Vegas next year. So if they're ever going to make a change for the franchise face, it would be next year in their move. And they can get out of Derek Carr's contract next year. They could move on from him. So Derek Carr has to prove that he's the guy for the future, and he's not going to do that by being captain checked down this season. So as a result, he's not somebody who I think I'm going to draft. He's not somebody who has that kind of upside where I'm going to take a chance on Derek Carr being my starting quarterback with the idea that I might stream. But he is somebody who's going to be high on my watch list at the quarterback position to see how he does. Because he is somebody who does have potential to be a fantasy-relevant player for you this year. I don't think it's going to be a week-in, week-out thing, but a spot start, yeah, I think he has a chance for that if things go well for Oakland. Now, we talked a little bit about Josh Jacobs. Look, Jalen Richard, Doug Martin are both still there. But from everything we're hearing, if the Raiders feel like he does play well enough in training camp and... Believe me when I say he's going to have every opportunity to prove himself. They because they took a first round pick. They want him to take over. They lacked explosiveness from the running back position a season ago. They showed that they definitely want to at least be a balanced offense, if not a maybe even a little more of a run so team. Well, last season probably not this year. Not they have Antonio Brown, Tyra Williams, but definitely want to be a balanced offense, and they. Got Josh Jacobs with the idea that he could be a workhorse back, that he's a guy who could play all three downs. 
He showed he could catch the ball pretty effectively in Alabama. The question is, can he handle that type of a workload? But the idea is that he's built for all three downs. So as long as he's able to give them enough, I believe, in the passing block area, because that is the key when it comes to rookie running backs. They have to be able to come in and pass protect. If they can't pass protect, they won't play that much. So if he can come in and show them enough that he can pass protect, which I believe of all the rookie running backs, he's the best qualified to do so because he did it already in Alabama quite a bit. So if he can come in and show that he has that ability, he should be fine, and I do expect him to be a workhorse back. Right now, Josh Jacobs is going as a fifth-round type of running back in most scoring platforms, 10 to 12 team leagues, doesn't matter. He's around that square mid-fifth round. That, I think, is fair value because this is a guy who I think is an RB2 who has the potential, if things go right, to give you RB1 weeks. Not that he can't, and he doesn't have the potential to be an RB1, but he can give you RB1 type weeks and be a higher end RB2, quite possibly, with the workload that he could get as long as he's able to produce at an efficient enough level, which I think he will be able to do so. And he's, that's about his value. I don't think taking him any earlier than that would be smart. Um, any later than that would be a great value pick for him. I think he's going right where he's valued in that fifth round. Receivers, we talked about a little bit. It's Tony Brown. It's Tyrell Williams. It's pretty much just those two. Look, all the questions are going to be, can Antonio Brown put up the same type of numbers that he did with the Steelers? I'm going to answer that for you very, very quickly. No. He's not going to have the same type of upside, the same type of ceiling that he had with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's not just because Ben Roethlisberger is better than Derek Carr, which he is. But it's because of the offense in general. He's not on an offense that's going to throw the ball 600 plus times or last year damn near 700 times. He's not on that type of offense. He's on an offense that at most will throw the ball 550 times this season. At most. So the opportunities are just not going to be as abundant in general for this team. For him to do that. But I've said it before and I will continue to say it again. Antonio Brown is the closest wide receiver I've seen to Jerry Rice ever. Closest thing. He's a great route runner. I don't care he's 31. He has not lost a step in any kind of way. He has great hands. And you can move him everywhere. And that's exactly what I plan on the Raiders doing. They're going to keep, They're going to have him outside. They're going to move him in the slot. They're going to put him all over the field. And the main difference that he, that's going to be between him and Amari Cooper, who Amari Cooper is not as good as Antonio Brown, but it was a legitimate wide receiver one that they had trouble using on a consistent basis. The big thing there is that if you don't use Antonio Brown on a consistent basis week in and week out, you are not going to want to hear his mouth. Cannot wait for Hard Knocks to start next week. Oh, my God. It was going to be so much fun with this team. But he is the squeaky wheel will get the grease if he's not getting featured every single week on this team. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. I don't think it's going to be the inconsistencies that we saw with Amari Cooper a season ago with Antonio Brown. Outside of the fact that Antonio Brown's just a better receiver, he'll get utilized more. And I think a lot of that has to do with having Tyrell Williams. Look, Tyrell Williams, from a fantasy perspective, he has really good best ball value. He has really good DFS value. He is somebody in those formats I would be willing to have on my team and let him play consistently. I do think he's going to have some weeks where he'll have flex spot start ability for you because he is a guy where it just takes one play for him to be fantasy relevant that week because he is a home run threat. The biggest value he brings 
to this team is to Antonio Brown because the biggest thing he has is that defenses have to pay attention to him. So they can't just key on Brown and Brown alone. He does make defenses have to stay honest to some degree. As far as his potential goes, look, I don't I don't think he has potential to get any more than 700 yards and get any more than five touchdowns. I think that that's really his max when he comes down to it. Just because of how balanced his team attack is going to be between the pass and the rush, just because he is going to be the second guy behind Antonio Brown, with the possibility of there being more targets going to the running back situation, the running back position, than to that second wide receiver. Possibly. I don't think that will be the case, but possibly. So that's why Tyrell Williams, I don't know how much value he has in that sense. I don't know if he's a flyer worth drafting. He is somebody who I do think a lot of people are going to be picking up through the season, though. He is somebody who will get taken off of the waivers. So you definitely want to keep your eye on him. As far as the third receiver goes, it's nobody to ride home about. It's between J.J. Nelson and Hunter Renfro. And either way, frankly, I don't really care who it is. I don't think I'm ever going to be playing them on my fantasy lineups, whether it be a 10- or 12-team league, whether it be PPR, half-point, or standard. It does not matter. So don't spend too much time thinking about that one. Now, the tight end position, a little bit different. Jared Cook's gone. They brought in Luke Wilson. They drafted Foster Moreau. Foster Moreau's not going to be a factor this season. Darren Waller is the guy who I'm looking at. Now, I think Darren Waller is going to get the start. He's an athletic freak. He's always been an athletic freak. Kind of kind of reminds me a lot of a younger Jared Cook. Not the best blocker in the world. Really super athletic. Really more of like a big overgrown wide receiver than he is necessarily a tight end. But he's too big to really play as a wide receiver. So he plays tight end. And we saw what happened last year. Derek Carr loved throwing the ball at Jared Cook. No one can, can didn't deny that. Darren Waller's not somebody you're going to draft. He's a deep flyer. Unless you're in a 16-team league, maybe a 14-team league, I don't think there's anybody going to be drafting Darren Waller. Best ball DFS, I love this guy. I love, especially DFS, you want to get a cheap tight end who might actually have like some couple big weeks for you? That's the guy. That's the guy. But he is the tight end who's definitely going to get picked up off the waiver wire in 10, 12 team leagues for whether it's standard, half point, full point PPR, it does not matter. He is a guy who's going to get picked up off of waivers this season by someone. He is somebody who should be high on your watch list because he is a deep sleeper who has the athletic potential to have big weeks for you, to have a good stretch at some point this season. I, he's not a guy, he's not there yet in his development where he has the potential to give you a consistent full season at high end production. He's not going to be there. But there's a very good chance he has a stretch of games where he's a very fantasy relevant tight end. Somebody to keep on your watch list and watch for the signs there. Kicker situation right now, it's still Daniel Carlson. I don't think the Raiders are going to be a super high-powered offense, and Carlson is not the best of kickers. He misses too much. He doesn't have the big leg where I feel like if he comes on for a 50-yarder, he's definitely going to make it. So Daniel Carlson somebody who is nothing more than a low-end streaming kicker. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We're going to talk about the New York Jets, our last team of this podcast. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. 
Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Oh, the New York Jets. Oh, the humanity. Why, oh, why did you guys have to hire the fantasy football kryptonite that is Adam Gase? There's just nothing you can trust. There's only a few good players to talk about when it comes to New York Jets for fantasy football perspective anyway. But even those guys now, you have to sit there and question yourself. Adam Gase is the head coach. Do they still have the same value that they should? And in most cases for the New York Jets, that answer is no. Sam Darnold, let's start off with the quarterback. Expected in his second year by a lot of people to take this big step forward. It ain't gonna happen. Not with Adam Gase calling the show. Because what's going to happen with Adam Gase? You're going to see damn near the same offense you saw out of the New York Jets a season ago. Which pretty much does not allow Sam Darnold to take that next step forward. Because it does not give him the opportunity to be more aggressive. He is still going to be put in situations where his number one job is going to be to target the slot receiver in the short to intermediate parts of the field. It's only going to be an occasional deep pass off of play action once in a while to try to keep the catch defenses sleeping. That's it. That's all. This is going to be a conservative offense at the end of the day. It's not going to allow for the opportunity for Sam Darnold to take the next step up. And that's regardless of whether you think he has the ability to do so or not. We know what Adam Gase is. We know what he's going to do. We've seen it with the Dolphins. We saw it with the Bears. He's going to have one guy be the deep guy, Robbie Anderson. Before that, it was Kenny Stills. What was was the production with Kenny Stills? He'd have a game or two where he'd be fantasy relevant and people would talk or think about him. Until they realized that he had no consistency to this game, that he was not part of the game plan on a consistent week-in, week-out basis because he's just the guy there to stretch the field. He wasn't the slot receiver. Jarvis Landry was peppered like crazy. I think Jamison Crowder has some sleeper potential in PPR leagues as a result that maybe he could, if he stays healthy, he could maybe get back on track to where he was a couple of seasons ago, where he was a very much a fantasy relevant wide receiver as a high end wide receiver three flex play. I think he does have the potential for that because I think he's going to get targeted like crazy as the primary slot receiver. But Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson going in the sixth round is insane to me. You have major arguably stupid cojones if you think that taking Robbie Anderson in the sixth round is a good idea. It's not. He's going to get utilized like Kenny Stills. He's going to have two, maybe three good games throughout the entire year. You're never going to know where they're coming. And unless you have him in a best ball league, you're not going to be thrilled to have him on your team. I love Robbie Anderson. He's one of the best deep ball threat wide receivers out there. One of the most explosive guys to watch on the field, without a doubt. And in his development, he's definitely primed this season to be a guy to take his game to the next step. Except for Adam Gay's game to doubt. Why? Why, oh why? Why would you do this, Jets? Why? Why would you do it to yourselves? That automatically makes Robbie Anderson one of the biggest busts on my list at the receiver position, regardless of your scoring format, regardless of your league size. 
It's not a sixth round. He belongs no higher than the territory of where Deshaun Jackson is going, which is back in the 10th, 11th round, because he is nothing more than that. He's nothing more than a guy who has potential to get you a big play threat here and there. That's it. He's not going to get targeted enough in this offense. It's not built for that. It's built for Jameson Crowder. It's built for Quincy Inunua, who will rotate in and out of the slot and on the other side of Robbie Anderson. But Quincy Inunua, by the way, is going to have no fantasy value because it's not going to be enough because Crowder is going to primarily play the slot receiver. And that set, maybe that second receiver outside of Kenny Stills and Jarvis Landry. Devontae Parker. When Devontae Parker did play with those other guys on the field because just take out the game against Tennessee when there was nobody left on the field except for Devontae Parker and he had a big week. How often was Devontae Parker used? Oh, almost never. Guys like me who have been harping on the fact that Devontae Parker has great talent but never got utilized properly with Adam Gase there. The whole reason I'm back on the Devontae Parker bandwagon this season is because Adam Gase is gone and I don't think his talent went anywhere so he might finally have the opportunity to break out. What's the difference with Quincy Inunua? So he has no value. I already told you guys beforehand when Chris Herndon was getting built up as a sleeper hyped tight end that no, Adam Gase doesn't use the tight end in his offense. Everyone wants to go back to the time where they used Julius Thomas in that offense. That was it. That was the only time he used the tight end. That was with Peyton Manning. That was with a historic all-time breaking offense. He's never used the tight end since then. Chicago. Miami, all those years. What did the tight ends do for him? Nothing. Nothing. Chris Herndon's not going to take the next step up. And now he's suspended for the first four games, but even when he comes back, he's still not going to be a guy you're going to pick up with any confidence throughout the season. I guarantee you. So this all goes back to it limits Sam Darnold greatly. I don't think Sam Darnold is a top 12 quarterback. I don't think Sam Darnold is a top 16 quarterback in fantasy this year. There's a good chance that he is going to be on the bottom half, maybe even the bottom of quarterbacks, like in back in the 20s. There's a good chance for that. He's not going to have the potential to get you more than 25 touchdowns. 25 touchdowns would actually be a lot to hope for out of Sam Darnold. It's going to be closer to like 20, 21. That's about it. He's still going to get you about 13, 14 interceptions because he's turnover prone. He's probably not going to get 4,000 yards. So at the end of the day, what does this boil down to? Well, it boils down to the only player who has significant fantasy value that can perform in a big way for you is Le'Veon Bell. And that's because he's Le'Veon Bell. Look, even in this situation, I'm a little bit scared for Bell because of Adam Gase. But because he is Bell, because he is too good to take off the field, because you paid him too much money to actually be dumb enough to try to put him in any kind of a running back rotation like they had in the past when Kenyon Drake was by far the most talented running back that they had on the Dolphins and yet he'd still find a way to play Frank Gore you can't do that with Le'Veon Bell and the team you can't do that with the contract you gave him so because of those factors I don't worry about him screwing over Le'Veon Bell now What I do worry about a little bit is that offense in general not being that good. I do worry about that offensive line not being that great. 
Le'Veon Bell's Le'Veon Bell. He's coming back. He got paid. He also has something to prove this season. Don't forget, after sitting out for a year last year, a lot of people are asking questions, how good are you really going to be on this team? He has something to prove. I like that at Le'Veon. We know he's going to catch the ball. We know he's going to run the ball. We know he's going to get over 300 touches one way or another. Quite possibly with this offense, being that there aren't any other playmakers on his type of level, he is going to be the main part of this offense. He will drive them. He will be the one that they go to. I think there's a decent chance that he could have the potential for 400 touches. I think that is a possibility. I don't think it's likely. I think it is a possibility. But I think he's guaranteed over 300 touches. So you give a guy like Le'Veon Bell over 300 touches in an offense that should at least be competent enough, hopefully. Let's just say competent enough where they won't be the Arizona Cardinals of last year. As long as they're able to be better than that, I think Le'Veon Bell will give you RB1 production. It may not be top five, it may not be top four, he may not be competing with those guys, but he will have an opportunity to give you top eight, top seven, He'll be in that range with the outside possibility if things were to go well, maybe get in that fifth spot. But that's where Le'Veon Bell can go. So at the end of the day, I'm not going to overly worry myself about Le'Veon Bell. I think he's a hell of a value in the second round, which is where he's going a lot in most platforms. I do see him ranked in the first round in some as well. And I'm not going to argue with you if you take him in the first round. Don't take him in the top five. That I'll argue with you a little bit because at that point, you do have to have the Adam Gase factor and the fact that the Jets are not a very good team come into play. But if you take him in the top eight, top ten, yeah, I'm not going to argue with you there. If you take him in the second round, I'm going to say you got a great value. Nothing else to really talk about the Jets. You're not going to be picking up their defense for fantasy purposes. You're not going to be getting their kicker. So that's actually going to wrap up this episode. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. A lot of great content. Went through a lot of stuff with you guys. That closes down the Fantasy Analysis by Team Depth Charge miniseries here with the Part 8. Awesome. We're going to be back early next week, either Monday or Tuesday. Like I said, make sure you're following me at MDFF Show on Twitter and on Facebook. I will make the announcement on both of those platforms of when we're definitely going to have the episode. I'll also make the announcement on both of those platforms exactly when the projections, the rankings, the tier rankings, the downloadable draft kit will be made available to you. Exactly when it goes live on the website. All that great information is coming. I can't wait to get it out to you guys. August is here. Remember, check out the preseason game. That is tonight. You guys take care, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 